0: Welcome to the Find Your Still Point podcast, a podcast for busy people looking to find peace and clarity with their life. I'm your host, Jessica King, and today I'm joined by Gina Thimble, educator and operations assistant for an organization called Be the Bridge. Be the Bridge empowers people and organizations to respond to the racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. Gina has her master's degree in social work and her focus at Be The Bridge is in the transracial adoption program and in whiteness education. She has experience working in child protective services as well as in a homeless shelter for women and children. She is passionate about educating her fellow white brothers and sisters around the issues of race and dreams of a world where all people are able to flourish. She grew up in the Appalachian Mountains, a coal miner's daughter, but currently lives by the ocean with her husband of 21 years and her four children. Today, Gina discusses what white people can do to become allies by educating ourselves, listening to others, especially listening to people of color, and working towards deep inner self-change for racial healing. Join me as we meet and learn from Gina Thimble. Hi, Gina. How are you doing today? I'm great, Jessica. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to have you here today. I'm
1: excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. I always relish the opportunity to speak about Be the Bridge. So I'm <laughs> excited.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear more about Be the Bridge and to, you know, share it with our listeners. Um, so to just kind of introduce you today, we are here to talk about the work that you're doing in our community around racial reconciliation. And I think you know, but this podcast is really about helping people manage stress and prevent chronic health problems related to stress. But as you and I know, and hopefully our listeners understand, or they will understand by the end of today, that you know, racism, systemic racism, discrimination, racial microaggressions, they're all contributors to our chronic stress and um, we really need support and racial healing for our world. And that's Absolutely. the work you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. So again, I'm excited to have you here and want to hear from you um, about this work and 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 what and understand a little bit more about what our role can be, you know, as just people in this community, um, as allies or what we can do um, to, to, to support racial healing so I introduced you in your bio um, with your bio in our intro but I would just love to hear from you um, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your story.
1: Yeah uh, well I live in Wilmington North Carolina the same community as you I think Airboys I, I ha- I'm a mom so I have four children Airboys Played tackle football together and uh, one of your boys played flag football with my daughter so (laughs) Uh, but that's I mean primarily I'm a mom I'm a wife of 21 years I have a master's degree in social work uh, but I also work for Be The Bridge. Uh, which has had a profound impact on my life personally and on the life of my family. Uh, But Be The Bridge is a racial literacy organization. And what we do is we work to empower people and organizations toward racial healing and equity and reconciliation. Um, Our president and founder is Latasha Morrison, who is a black woman, uh, who is now a New York Times bestseller for her book, titled Be the Bridge, and so please check that out if you have not. Uh, She made the New York Times bestseller list during the summer of 2020. Uh, Part of what I would call the beauty uh, from ashes of the summer of 2020 was a very difficult year for a lot of, or a difficult season for a lot of reasons, but especially because of the high profile uh, events of racial violence. Um, And so my work with Be The the Bridge focuses on some general operational things and on whiteness education and transracial adoption. So I mentioned I have a background in social work, uh, but I'm also a transracial adoptive parent. Two of my girls are adopted and they are black. I have two biological children. Uh, who are white, like myself and my husband, but Be the Bridge offers many resources, uh, one of them focusing on transracial adoption and training uh, of adoption uh, of adoptive parents and adoption agencies. So that is just a little bit about, about myself and Be the Bridge.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that's a really good information. Actually, a lot of stuff I didn't even know that be the bridge did, and um, I'll definitely put in the show notes about the book and all the resources to get connected to you guys and Yeah, we met, um, I guess through our kids and so yeah I know your know your children through sports and whatnot. and I yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more, maybe about even that part of your story is like when did you decide to to go to go to adopt and like what's that life been like for you to kind of like meld and create this really close family that you have now? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I have been on a journey, I would say, uh, that has kind of brought me to the work of Be the Bridge and uh, the work that I try to do personally in my own life when it comes to race. Uh, and and certainly being a transracial adoptive parent has shaped my experience and my desire to learn all that I can about what my girls may face as Black women in the United States, uh, even as Black children. Uh, But as I look back over the threads of my life, I can now see some other experiences that have drawn me to this work. One being that I was raised in a very racially isolated rural community. Uh, My father was a coal miner (laughs) and my mother after my my father passed away, she ended up dating our town's only black resident, a man who happened to be the director of a maximum security state prison in Virginia because they put maximum security prisons in rural areas because no one wants them in their communities. Uh, But my mom lost friends because of that. People that she had known uh, and thought loved her her entire life. You know, when she began dating him, she she lost a lot of friends friends. Uh, And between that and my sister, I I grew up as one of three girls, and one of my sisters came came out as being gay. Uh, So between my mom dating a Black man in a very white community and my sister uh, coming out of the closet, so to speak, I would say we were considered to some extent outcasts in our community. And so I think because of that, my eyes tend to naturally focus on those in society who have a history of exclusion and marginalization.
0: Yeah, Yeah. wow, I didn't didn't realize that part of your story. And yeah, it sounds a little bit like the, you know, that this idea that like, oftentimes we, you said you were in a community that didn't, you know, that was kind of isolated and sometimes we don't know until we know. And then you were kind of exposed to that and it opened your eyes to this whole world of like people that you could take a new perspective and um, yeah. Absolutely, yes. And I mean, I think it's probably ex- its definitely implicit by now, but maybe explicit to say that, like, it might be important to say since we're on a podcast and people can't see us that we are both white women. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, as, yeah. As we start to like continue to talk about your story and move into the work that you're doing and kind of understand where our places in that, I know it's probably important to say that and. What would you say is important to remember about our conversation today or an intention maybe that we should hold space for?
1: Yes, absolutely, Jessica. And thank you for bringing that up because it's really a crucial point. And I don't think that it's one that you and I can skip over too quickly. We have to sit in that tension. So, the first thing that I want to say is that um, I am by no means an expert. I don't brand myself as an expert about race. I come to this work as a listener and as a learner, um, as a white person, and in particular as a white woman, I must recognize that I don't have the lived experience of being a Black, Indigenous, Latinx, or Asian woman in this country, and therefore I'm not an expert. So I usually talk about it like this. Think about uh, when you are learning to drive. You know, you can read about driving, you can learn the traffic rules, you can learn about safety signs. But when you get behind the wheel, you want someone to teach you who has the lived experience of driving, right? Who would you want to learn from? (laughs) Um, Simply someone who's read about driving or someone who's been behind the wheel. And I think our best teachers are the ones who have the lived experiences. So we must recognize that when there are only white people at the table, we're missing something it's a loss. And oftentimes as white people, we're not taught to see that this lack of diversity in our lives is a loss, but it truly is. And so first and foremost, we are lacking a depth of perspective. Um, You know, as white people, our desire hopefully is that we do want to contribute to the healing of racial injustice, we don't want to further exacerbate harm. But before we can do that, we must understand that we do have some learning to do. You know, most people have no idea of the enormous depth and breadth of racial history, or the extent to which our country through policies and patterns has been racialized. So in some ways, as white people, we don't have to live with those consequences. So we can easily be oblivious to the ways in which we benefit from having white skin Um, and not only have we benefited throughout history but even in our present day our present day as white people we can and should educate ourselves about this issue in fact I think if we're honest with ourselves most of us would say that we didn't learn much about race growing up beyond we love everyone equally, or we may have heard things like "we don't see color." But unfortunately, those types of ideas about race are really unhealthy in that it causes real harm to our brothers and sisters of color. Uh, one adult transracial adoptee who I worked with said, "You know, if you can't see my race, then you can't see me." Mm-hmm. So, race has very real con- consequences. Uh, it definitely shapes someone's life experiences. As they navigate our society. And so those are just some things that we have to think about as white women when we talk about these issues.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. I love that you brought that up. And it made me think, you know, about my own experience and being able like I think that was a big um, place in my own learning was the you know because I've always felt like I was kind and loved all people but to recognize the privilege that I had in being able not to see some of those things sometimes and then mm-hmm. and then allowing myself to and um this is just a little side story. It actually just happened this past week. And so I it it, it makes me hopeful. I love having this conversation because I think that we all have so much farther to go. And then I love also mm-hmm. to recognize when something is a little different and um this past week, I was we were watching an awards show with the kids, and mm-hmm. John John, who's my ten year old, was real excited because Captain America won, um, and Captain America is now um, cast. It's a it's a black actor. That's the awesome. um, yeah, and uh, you know, I think that's important just in and of itself to be putting mm-hmm. those types of folks on TV, and being able to. See that as an example, but my Absolutely. son, who's a, a white boy, also recognized that part. He didn't just say, "Oh, I love Captain America." He said, mm-hmm. "I love Captain America," and I love that he is a black man, and that that's an example for for um, mm-hmm. for us. us. I and mean, he recognized the importance in that. That's different, and he saw the color and. I don't know. Mm -hmm. For some reason, that was like a moment of like, yeah, this is kids are kids are seeing this It's something that wouldn't have happened when I was growing up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what he's recognizing is that kind of falls outside of the norm, right? Mm -hmm. Usually people in those roles are white people. When you look at the television and film industry, it, it has been in many ways overwhelmingly white or it has contributed to, I would say, negative stereotypes about certain people groups. And so the fact that he is picking up on that and celebrating that at his age is a glimpse of hope which is something that I am trying to daily cultivate and hang on to uh, those hopeful, those hopeful things. So thank you for sharing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just one of those moments. But yeah, but like you said, we have these small hopeful moments, we have a long way to go. And I know that Be The Bridge, in. That's the organization you work with, is really doing a lot of work in that kind of reconciliation. And I think you said you do a lot of work with the white bridge builders. Mm -hmm. Um, And so where would we where do you start in these classes, what do you start talking about what's really important to doing the work if you're a white person wanting to be an ally or do anti racism work. Well, Latasha
1: Morrison, who was our founder and president, has created uh, many spaces and resources for all people, including white people, to engage in these conversations. We have an on-ramp resource called Be the Bridge 101, which is a space for white people to do some initial learning about racial history and key terms. We talk about things like white supremacy and what that really means. We talk about a concept called white privilege or the social and psychological wage of whiteness as W.E.B. Du Bois put it. Uh, We talk about what it means to be white in a society that has throughout its history elevated whiteness to a place where one has access to the benefits of full citizenship. citizenship, excuse me. And we also talk about defensiveness some may know this as white fragility, which is uh, you know, an academic uh, that has recently become popularized, uh, but at Be The Bridge, we call it a white racialized response. And when we say white racialized response, we mean that there are some patterns that we can identify, particularly when it comes to white people that function to uphold white supremacy, that function to reproduce racism. And we talk about some of those patterns and we look within ourselves and the spaces that we're in and we identify those places and hopefully make a positive change. Um, There's also something that we offer called the Whiteness Intensive, which is a series of eight pre-recorded courses taught by a diverse group of Be The Bridge educators that dive into the construct of whiteness and how it shaped our systems and our structures, even our relationships, basically the culture that we live in. And so this is also a really great place for white people to dive in. And so that is where I would start. We also have resources for people of color. Um, we call it the People of Color Care Guide. We have resources for transracial adoptive parents. We have resources for those who want to engage in diverse discussion groups. Uh, but I would say if you're a white person, of course, uh, Be The Bridge 101 would be a great place to, to begin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like that. Well, as far as breathe the bridge goes as a whole, there's this uh, spectrum of like, okay, here's where I can bring myself into the one-on-one class, understand these concepts so that then maybe I move into working with other people, um, people of color or whatnot. So that there's like more of this um, shared power in learning and understanding and is that, am I getting that concept right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, Latasha created these spaces for white people because uh, when Be the Bridge began, it began by diverse discussion groups coming together to talk about race, right? And so what happened is she recognized a need for some white people to engage in that basic level of education because unfortunately, you know, oftentimes we can depend on uh, people of color to educate us about things that are actually, you know, we can Google that, (laughs) you know, that sounds trite, but right. I mean, uh, there are resources and things that we can read about. So we shouldn't have to depend on the emotional labor of people of color uh, to educate us about certain things. And so I think it really, You know, using Be The Bridge as a pathway to educate yourself as a white person is really going to put you in a better place wherever you are. You know, racial, I don't think that there is one definition of racial reconciliation. We There are so many places and spaces that we are a part of as moms, as professionals, as church members, as club members, I mean, whatever it is, whatever those spaces that we are drawn into, there's probably opportunity to do some work there around issues of equity and justice. And so um, I think, you know, doing the work will help us to to be in a better position to make change that's really positive and sustainable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that work, like you said, not only are we not asking someone to like emotionally labor over teaching us and understanding that experience, but it also gives us the ability to kind of reflect on our own ways in which we've been part of that system. And I think one of those ways that's really easy as a white person is in that privilege and power position it's like even Mm -hmm. if you don't recognize it even if you're just trying to be a helper you know like
1: but sometimes
0: you can come in with your own ideals I know that's been maybe one of my own learning points in my life is like in what ways have I gone into spaces and thought that I was helping and really Mm -hmm. I was asserting my own what I think are my own needs or and not really the communities Um, and so it sounds like that white bridge builder's Um, is a space to, like, look into some of those patterns.
1: Absolutely. And just to take inventory of where you've been and where you want to go, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, one thing that is clear, (laughs) that has become clear to me through the years of doing this work is that this work is not for you if you think that your worldview is complete. If you think that you know all there is to know and that you have a perfect understanding of all the things, uh, especially when it comes to race, uh, you're not going to go very far in terms of being a helpful presence, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yes, I I would agree with what you said and uh, happy to add to that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, it, it sounds like such an amazing starting point for, because we have to do the, edu- we have to educate ourselves. We have to understand where we're coming from. And then we have to, like you said, decide where we're going to go. um, And that's another thing that I think that I've really um, learned about in, in, my, mm-hmm. in my own work or whatever. But I just recently was reading a book that had um, an actual diagram of the pyramid of white supremacy. Um, and, you know, like, and have you seen that? Or? I think I have seen that floating around on the
1: internet somewhere, not just in a book. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's things on that pyramid, like at the top are the things that we think of as racism, like hate crimes and, um, you know, the like a picture of a neo Nazi coming into your mind or whatever. But that as you go yeah. down that pyramid, there are things that that all got laid upon, you know, like racial profiling and discrimination is a larger mm-hmm. thing of that pyramid. And then as you go down, Um, you know, racial jokes or um, icons that misrepresent, you know, um, people of color, but at the bottom of that pyramid is just indifference. So like all of the, all of that, that's kind of holding up the system of racism is maybe just being indifferent or not, no, not, not acting. And so, That was something that's eye open to me is like, we, we really all have to do this work to be able to make the change. We have to be moving forward, like you said.
1: Absolutely. And I love that you brought up that graphic because I believe I am familiar with that that pyramid and you know when we talk about white supremacy we do often associate it with images of confederate flags or the ku klux klan or maybe you know more recently Tiki torch carrying people in charlottesville and white supremacy can certainly be those things Uh, but we think a lot of times as white people that we have to self-identify as a white supremacist or be a card-carrying member of a hate group to uphold white supremacy uh, really, there's a difference between how we think it, think that it works and how, um, and how we've been shaped and taught to believe how it works versus how it really works. Uh, the intent of white supremacy is not required for white supremacy to do its work, right? So one of the metaphors that I use uh, when I talk about this concept is that of a car accident. So think about you yourself. In your car, and and this is really, um, you know, this image could be triggering, and as a mother who has lost a child, I just want to say that up front, Uh, but if you were driving a car and your child was in the backseat and someone came along and crashed into you and your child ended up dying, that person may not have had an intent to kill your child, but your child is still dead, right? And so that's a concept that I think is really helpful for us to remember in this work. So intent really uh, often is not as important as the impact. I think, um, you know, growing up in what I would call quote unquote uh, white culture, you know, I was taught to believe that intent was everything and of course intent is important but when it comes to race and racism particularly we have to move beyond our intent and look at what our impact is Um, you know latasha often says that we can't reconcile what we don't recognize or we can't heal what we conceal and so we want to understand how white supremacy has harmed ourselves our country, our communities, our churches, and this requires us to uncover what's there uh, to bring these issues out into the open, and so I, um, I'm glad that you're talking about this today for your listeners, because racism isn't sus- Sustained by bigots, you know, but it's sustained by the silence and complicity of people that we might consider to be good people, including ourselves. And so there are reasons why racism has been reproduced through the generations and we want to identify some of those patterns and then Once identified, of course, we have to work to change those things, both within ourselves and in the world. You know, one of the best ways that we can do that as white people is to partner with organizations who are led by people of color. Um, And so that we have many, uh, you know, black indigenous people of color who are giving their lives to educate others about race. You know, unfortunately, a lot of times, uh, even with our very limited knowledge of race and racism, we think that we know more than we actually know. And so we need to be seeking out people who have not only given their lives to educating others, but who have the lived experience. You know, when our car is broken, we go to a mechanic. When our tooth is aching, we go to a dentist. Uh, We seek those who have expertise, but we don't do a great job of this when it comes to race, right? Everybody has an opinion, and oftentimes those opinions are uninformed at best, or harmful at worst. Uh, one One thing that we say often at Be The Bridge is a quote from Maya Angelou that says, do the best you can until you know better, then when you know better, do better. But before we can do better, we have to lay down our defenses, we have to be humble, we have to be teachable, and that's a posture that is really going to help us take healthy actions when we find ourselves in the spaces that we find
0: ourselves in. Yes, yes, oh my gosh, yeah, and I love that quote too, it's one of my favorites, that like once we know better, we got to do better, you know, I love that. Yeah, and I think it's really important what you said, too, around the defensiveness. Another person that I really love is Brene Brown, and yes, um, yes. and she, you know, all of her work is around shame and vulnerability, and I think that that's a lot what you're speaking to is that I think often what happens is that we take a look into this stuff, and then we see where we've done it, (laughs) and like we've been part of the problem, and then shame kind of takes over and the shame is the armor that she talks about and mm-hmm. the armor is like creating a wedge between you and i or you know me and them like if you put people in compartments and what we right. really need is that ability to kind of sit in it and not take the blame don't take on the shame mm-hmm. like say, yes like i've done this it's more about accountability and then in that accountability, we can be vulnerable to reach out to folks that may be able to lead us in doing better, to do better, like my Angela said. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I thought of another thing when you were talking and the the whole part where you started about impact, which is like, because I think a lot of people, and maybe that's where the shame kind of stops it or like people get frozen in their tracks is like, um, once we recognize that we've done wrong, then what do we do besides be shameful? And I don't know if you have anything to say around like repair and how like it's okay to say something wrong or it's not okay, but once we've recognized it, it's okay to try and repair it and what that's like.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And we will say something wrong. <laughs> I have said things wrong and I feel so grateful that I have friends of color who have loved me enough to say, you know what, Gina, when you said that, this is what I heard, or I think you need to rethink that. Um, and instead of you know being defensive about it, I really have to Uh, hold on to that. And I have to analyze it and scrutinize it and listen to it and show up and do better. One of the the things that we talk about in our one-on-one space is just noticing what causes you to feel tense, you know, to really take inventory of your body, to take deep breaths, because particularly with this subject matter. And when it comes to our brutal history of race, you know, this is not easy. And I think you're exactly right that a lot of People, particularly white people, get stuck in this shame pattern, and that's one thing that I do appreciate so much about Latasha and Be the Bridge is because she's been so intentional to create spaces and pathways of growth for uh, white people, all people, but white people included in that. You know, I love Brene Brown as well, and I think that shame says that you know I am bad or I am unworthy of love or belonging, but guilt really, you know, guilt says I, I did something bad, so it's not that I'm bad, maybe I did something bad, or maybe I need to grow in this area, and so guilt allows us to hold something either that we've done or that we failed to do against our values, and we may feel some discomfort with that, but that can be helpful, right? I think even guilt can be helpful because it helps us to to be adaptive, it helps us to make healthy changes, One of my pet peeves is um, when white people say, Stop trying to make me feel guilty for being white, or I'm not going to feel guilty for being who I am. um, I think that's just a really knee-jerk uh, reaction. Uh, I think it's defensiveness, and I think it's ultimately going to be a stumbling block to your own growth as a human being. You know, we can't choose our color. Uh, I, I feel very um, confident that I am beautiful in the skin that God, you know, or higher power, what, however you want to phrase it, uh, the way that I have been right. Um, I know that, uh, you know, white skin color is a system of whiteness that we inherited is different. There's a difference between those two things. And so, um, you know, this system of whiteness that was created, it was created to uplift white people, people who present as white at the expense of others. Um, And so the more that you learn your history, the more, the more easily you can see those things. But, in the beginning, yes, I think it's so helpful for you as a white person to really make that differentiation between uh, white skin color versus this system of whiteness, because I'm not asking you to feel guilty for being white. Uh, but what I am asking you to do is to uh, learn about the construct of whiteness, to learn about the real history in our country, uh, and, and just to keep um, engaging, uh, you know, with organizations who are doing the work, with people who are doing the work, and, and support them, and so, yeah, those are just a few thoughts that I had about, about some of what you said, but I'm also a fan,
0: definitely a fan of Brene's. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love, ever I think that was so perfect and a great explanation and that delineation of between um, shame and guilt. And yeah, I'm, I, my last podcast was just about feel it to heal it we, and all of our emotions are good. And so once we can like kind of put that into perspective and say, oh, yeah, this guilt is showing up for a reason. Let me just listen to it. And it allows me, it informs my, the way I behave but it, through my values. So, I, yeah, you said it perfectly. I love that. So, awesome. yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, the best thing that we can do, what you said, is to be able to learn our history, be informed and be open to. um to taking some accountability and making new changes and that I know be the bridge is helping people do that. So where can people find be the bridge and how do they get involved?
1: Well, this is easy because you (laughs) simply need to go to be the bridge.com. You can also view our podcast. We have a be the bridge podcast that Latasha regularly um, speaks on and has different guests on to take you through various issues around race and racism in our country, Uh, and so I would just begin there, you know, go to Amazon, buy Latasha's book, Be the Bridge, Uh, you know, find an organization in your local community, so I live in Wilmington, but Be the Bridge is actually based in Atlanta, Georgia, and we do work all over the country, Uh, but we also, you know, we believe that there are other organizations who are doing good work, you know, there are organizations here in North Carolina, the Social Equity Institute being one of them. They also do excellent, excellent work. Um, and so that, that, that's another organization that you can find. Uh, check out our shop on uh, be the slash or uh, backslash shop is the web address, but we have digital resources that you can purchase. Uh, I mentioned the guides that we have already. We also have some merchandise there. Uh, Really, wherever you are on your journey, Latasha has been thinking about you and creating content and resources for you, and so we're excited for you to check that out.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you for all those resources. And we'll put them in the show notes too so people can easily click. I kind of got chills when you said, um, and I love when I do that, but it just means I feel (laughs) connected to it. When you said, wherever you are in your journey, Latasha's been thinking about you. And I think that that just goes to show the level of connection and community that's being set up around the organization that she's created and you guys are working in. So thank you for that one.
1: Yeah. And I'll say really quick too. One thing I forgot to mention is that you can find us on social media. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're on Instagram at Be The Bridge. We're on Facebook as well. We have a public Facebook page, but we also have a private Facebook group where we have a very diverse group of admins and moderators who are working to curate content, to have discussions, Um, and so that's also a great place that you can dig in because there are free learning units that you can go through in there, Mm -hmm. Um, so even just taking advantage of all the free things that Be The Bridge has to offer is also a great place to start. Uh, You know, for better or worse, we're very grateful for Facebook because um, they, Be The Bridge, was actually a recipient of a grant from the organization, Facebook, and part of of our work, which I don't think that I've mentioned was creating a guide for youth to have these discussions. And so we also have the Be the Bridge Youth Guide. We have our module one completed. Uh, That module includes videos from some young people talking about these things, but we're we're coming out with a module two, hopefully in the fall. And so, um, you know, whether it's a youth group or a school setting, you know, it's perfectly appropriate for any school setting. It's a values-based guide. And so that's something else that I know Latasha feels drawn to. committed to is to educate uh, the generation who's behind us because gosh I mean the Civil Rights Act was you know the Civil Rights Movement was in the 60s uh, and certainly not to say that everything has been perfect since then because Um, It it sure has not, um, but what we know is that what we are doing so far is not really working. What we've done so far is not working, right? And so part of, I think, uh, making change is really educating our children about healthy ways to have these conversations so that as they grow, uh, maybe they won't have to deal with these realities in quite the same way that we have. Um, and so that's a hope that I'm holding on to
0: (laughs) yes absolutely I think you brought it full circle with that that I totally agree that we've got a the next generation is going to be different and we started talking about how I see some some little moments of things are different in my own kids and their friends and our community but a long way to go so it's so great to have those resources um yes so as we, you know, in, in the podcast that I do I always practice with folks at the end, and you already mentioned this a little bit, but just to bring it like explicit for people to think about um, in a minute, I'm going to lead us in a mindfulness-based practice um, that was really inspired by what you said, um, because you mentioned that when we're doing our own self-study, when we're doing this work in race, we need to be really in tune with the sensations in our body and mind. And I don't know, can you say a little bit more about that and why it's so important to the process?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's because that's where air defenses lie to a certain extent. If we feel that we're getting tense, if we feel that we're getting embarrassed, maybe even angry, I think that's a clue to us that we need to lean in. You know, we also say a lot at Be The Bridge is that we need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, you know, there's nothing about this work that's really comfortable <laughs> for me. Um, you know, I've made amazing relationships through it, uh, but I wish that Be The Bridge did not have to exist. I'm grateful that it does, um, but unfortunately, it exists because, you know, racism still exists. And I think, we have not, um, you know. There's two. There's two components to this. One is, as a society, we have not really dealt with the racialized trauma, particularly when it comes to people of color who have the lived experience of uh, existing within systems and structures that have not um, always operated for their benefit. Uh, but you also have the racialized trauma, even as white people and Please hear me clearly. I'm not in any way comparing my experience as a white woman to the trauma that people of color go through. But I do believe that race, um, you know, is a social construct and that um, it is, it was created to uplift certain groups at the detriment of others. And so I have even lost things in that, you know, I For many years, I just saw myself as being a white person. I had no idea about my ethnicity, about any of my cultural traditions that my ancestors, uh, you know, when they immigrated here, that they brought over with them because in many ways they, uh, you know, as Irish people, they worked to assimilate to be white. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, getting back to, uh, I'm sorry, I went off on a little rabbit trail there, but uh, these are hard issues and so the reason why I think it's important to take inventory of your body is because that's really going to be a clue for where you need to look to lean in because sometimes I think in those moments that we become the most defensive that's actually a gift to ourselves that hey this is an area that I really need to learn more about mm-hmm. and I need to take a deep breath and really listen to hear and not listen to respond, because I think that's something else that we can often do is we listen and we're, we're automatically simultaneously thinking about what our response is gonna be. And so this is a space where we really do just need to listen, uh, not to respond, but to learn and so. I don't know if that answered your question. (laughs)
0: Yes, it did. It was beautiful. I do. Yes. uh, And I love the ending of like, we got to listen to learn, not to respond. And that's maybe one of the biggest lessons, like walking away from doing work with anybody, you know? Um, So, And I think everything that you said, like where we kind of went, you said I went off on a rabbit hole or a tangent, but like we could do a whole nother podcast. I work in trauma and there is so much for us to dig into in what our systems have done, and that trauma does live in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think that's also what you're saying is that when we feel those sensations in our body, or we recognize the defensiveness, uh, automatic defensiveness coming up in our mind, that that's a pattern of trauma that we need to pay attention to to be yeah. able to to heal it. So, um, and that may be a yeah. great place
1: for you to go as you think about other shows, there's a woman named Sheila Wise-Rowe who mm-hmm. wrote a book called Healing Racial Trauma. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are people who are now identifying um, traumas that they have experienced uh, when it comes to race and living you know, here in the US. And they're putting language to, to things that maybe there hadn't been language for before. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think it's a necessary and healthy step To talk about the racialized trauma, and so I'm glad that you're beginning to lean in there.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. So, oh, there's so much more, but I'm glad (laughs) that we got you for a little bit. And thank you so much for sharing um, everything that you have with us, and and for what you're doing in the community. Um, And like I said, I'll link everything in the show notes. But I just want to thank you for being here, and um, yeah. Anything else you'd want to leave our listeners with?
1: Well, I just want to say thank you so much, Jessica. It's a pleasure. And please check out Be the Bridge. Support Black women and Black women-led organizations. I'll just say that. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully that's okay. But uh, especially in the nonprofit world, unfortunately, uh, many organizations who get a large bulk of funding from you know, donors or foundations. You know, uh, unfortunately, people of color are often at the bottom of that, um, the bottom of that hierarchy. So, you know, I think part of 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 really doing this work is investing in people of color who are who are doing this work. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's absolutely okay. Yes. <laughs> <Just> thank, <laughs> you. thank you. Thank you for saying it um but at this point we will pause and like i said we'll be practicing together in a short while in a mindfulness practice to really kind of tune into how we can sense sensations in our body and mind and i thank you for bringing that to our attention and why it's important and um can't wait to see you again sometime <laughs>
1: thank you jessica take care
0: thank you As we come into our practice together, I invite you to find a comfortable seat. This may be on a chair, or maybe on a cushion on the floor, or even lying down. But wherever you are, just check in and see if you can adjust and give yourself permission to just be maybe 10% more comfortable. Begin to orient yourself to your space This may mean looking around and letting your eyes float to pleasurable things, things that are interesting and just letting your gaze linger there. It may be connecting with the sounds around you, not in an effort to hear or attach to it, but just to observe, to notice. You might feel the way the ground or the surface underneath you is against your skin or your bones. So just observe for a minute and really allow yourself to connect to the present moment. We're going to begin to scan the body. So you might even start at the feet, just noticing the feet. The ankles, the calves, the knees, the thighs, the pelvis, the belly, the chest, and the arms, the hands, the shoulders, and the neck. Face the head. Maybe be aware of the entire body. Your body resting in your space. And just become the observer of that. This may be with eyes opened or closed. But you're just noticing the sensations in the body and Allow yourself to be drawn to maybe a particular sensation that you feel. This sensation may be pleasurable or uncomfortable and just notice. If the sensation is uncomfortable, reminding yourself that you're in control here and you have the option to ground yourself back into the moment with your senses, coming back to your sight or the touch of the feel of the space or the things that you hear. But for a moment, whatever that sensation is, just noticing where it is in your body. Maybe giving it some labels around temperature, texture, movement, Is it stuck or is it pulsing or is it throbbing or is it radiating? Does it have a color or a shape or as I said, a texture? Does the sensation have a feeling, an emotion to it? Images that come to mind as you start to sense this in your body. And as you just observe, is there any meaning to this for you? that there has to be, or that we have to expand on the story, but just in an observation and holding space for the sensation. And just as you brought focus here and spent some time noticing, see if you can also notice that at the same time, there's another place in your body, maybe one that feels a little lighter. Maybe a little less uncomfortable, or maybe even one that feels more pleasurable, more relaxed. And as you shift your attention there, noticing that it's been there all along, and it's just where our attention goes that we're able to bring focus. You may continue to practice this body awareness, somatic awareness, or you may decide that it's time for your practice to end today, but just knowing you have all the time in the world in this moment, you can return to this space anytime you need. And as you're ready, just sensing the space around you again, if the eyes are closed, you may open them, bringing in lights, If the body's been still or lying down, you may start to wiggle fingers and toes or roll shoulders or move through the body in a way that feels organic to you. And just begin to enter your day again, maybe with a fresh perspective and an increased awareness of the sensations in your body as a way to process and notice what's going on in your environment. grateful to have spoken with Gina Thimble today about her work with Be The Bridge. She is doing the work daily with others, including Be The Bridge founder Latasha Morrison, towards racial healing and reconciliation. If I took anything away from today's conversation, it is that to be a white ally and to truly be doing anti-racism work, we have to educate ourselves and work on ourselves first. We have to dig into what we do not know about history and be open to learning, learning some truths. We have to check our own reactions to this learning and realize that when shame and guilt are showing up, it may be getting in the way of our progress. As a therapist, I'm really concerned about feelings and shame can be such a block towards change in ourselves and on a larger scale. Shame shows up and tells us, I am bad, I'm a bad person. And oftentimes we will do anything to avoid feeling that, right? That's actually not a truth. We are not bad people. We have to check that stuff. We are not bad beings, but we can make bad choices. And guilt is a very healthy emotion that tells us that when we feel guilt, we recognize a choice that we have made is not in line with our values. And this emotion gives us the opportunity to correct and repair. Without paying attention to the areas in which we need to correct and repair, we will not be doing our work. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And I hope if something spoke to you, you will reach out to Be The Bridge or other organizations for support and start doing your own work because you're worth it. And so is our world. Thank you for listening. And until next time, be well, friends.